Court starts now. and all points northeast, south, and west. We welcome you in. Kevin Slayton with you on this Friday morning. This is the Window World, stl-cars.com, King's Court, right here on kevinslaytonshow.com. We're happy that you're along for the ride this morning. It's going to be a hot day in the Midwest, and, of course, it is summertime. We're into June, official summertime, still a couple of weeks away, but we know summer when we see it. We don't need the liberals to hold our hands and tell us when summer starts, even though they believe they should. We're okay without them. We don't need them, for anything for that matter. Our phone lines are always open because we allow free expression of thought. We allow free exchange of ideas right here on this show every single day. 636-538-0746-538-0746. And, of course, we have a lot to talk about, as we do seemingly every day. Amazingly, you probably haven't seen anything on the Cardinals the last two days. They haven't played. They didn't play Wednesday. They didn't play yesterday. They played tonight, but they took two days off. It makes you scratch your head even further at the candy-ass nature of their players, many star players like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Taking days off in the first two months of the year when you have built-in days off, when you have two days off coming up, it just continues to be the laughable state of baseball. And everywhere you look now, if you look at, if you watch any baseball on television, you see empty stadiums. People have had it with baseball. It is amazing how these sports continually kill themselves, shoot themselves in both feet. 
NFL football couldn't have been more popular, but they decided they would go woke with the Black Lives Matter crap and the end racism and the end zones and all that baloney. Nobody cares. Nobody pays attention. They lost a lot of their audience. And, of course, baseball doing the same thing, forcing the whack job generation to shove down the throats of Catholics, perverted sex acts done on the cross right in front of children. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Don't you live for that? It's incredible. But here we stand, and so baseball is becoming less and less popular by the day, and rightly so. First of all, many of the stadiums are in downtown areas when people just don't want to risk their lives anymore. They get tired of it. Why risk your life to go to a baseball game and that of your wife, your children? Well, you just don't. I mean, the team with the best record in baseball right now is Tampa Bay. I was down in Florida a month or so ago and went to a Tampa Bay-Houston Astro game. Now, that's the defending world champions in town to play the team with the best record. You would have not only expect a sell, have expected a sellout, you would have expected crowds lining the streets around the corner to try to get tickets, ticket scalpers trying to sell them at ridiculous prices. And yet none of that took place. The stadium was empty, empty. The crowd was in the single thousands, like, for instance, four or 5,000. Now, people blame the stadium. They say the Tampa Bay Stadium is terrible. Well, it's not great. It's not beautiful. It's not an aesthetic thing. It's an indoor stadium, which we all hate. But I didn't find the stadium to be that bad. It wouldn't keep me away. But the state of baseball keeps people away. They find it dull. They find it boring. They find the players making gobs of money. It's gotten to the point now where it doesn't matter what player on any team gets a hit. He turns to the dugout and makes some kind of a motion signal with his hands or his arms. They look like a bunch of fifth graders. And even fifth graders don't act like that. Just get your hit and go to the base and shut up. Play baseball. Quit trying to shove political stuff down our throat. We don't care. We go to see a baseball game or a football game for an outlet. It's called entertainment. Understand your lane on the highway, professional sports. Entertain us. Don't give us political bullshit. We don't care. We don't want it from you. Of of all people, we don't want it from athletes or actresses or actors in Hollywood. You know nothing. But here the Cardinals are with a two-day off period in a holiday week. Do you know there were about eight or ten teams that didn't even play a game on Memorial Day? When did that tradition start in Major League Baseball? I think there were games or teams missing games last year on Memorial Day. That is a rare phenomenon that's recent in nature. Baseball used to be proud to play their games on Memorial Day. In fact, most teams played during the day. It's like the 4th of July. And then you go shoot off fireworks. Now some teams have their games at night on the 4th of July and shoot them off. But how how are teams absent playing baseball on a holiday in the summer? Well, when you have a coward for a commissioner and you have cowardly owners who fall and cower at the feet of fanatical groups that are made up of distinct minorities, this is the result. Do you ever notice when you 
check the news out on a given day, you don't hear any conservative groups screaming and yelling and caterwauling about how their rights have been violated, how they better be given their day at the ballpark. No, it's just the liberal whack jobs, the nut jobs, the left-wing loons. We don't try to shove conservatism down your throat. We just live our lives. Leave us alone. We don't bother you until you bother us. And then we will have a dust-up. As Jack Del Rio famously referred to January 6th. And that's all it was, a dust-up. But the liberals try to continue to get mileage out of it with a willing, fawning media that does their bidding for them. If you want a sign that the apocalypse is upon us, look no further than Harvard. We've known for years that Harvard was a bastion of psychotic liberalism. And now it's not even a compliment if a son or daughter or cousin of yours or friend of yours has a child that's going to Harvard. That got it. Oh, they got into Harvard? That used to be a badge of honor. Now it's an embarrassment, actually. They've just hired two new professors. No, they didn't stoop as low as they could hiring that black psychopathic murderer, attempted murderer from CUNY Hunter College in New York who shoved the machete to the throat of a reporter. They didn't hire her. But they're hiring Beetlejuice Lightfoot and they're hiring that imbecile from New York, Bill de Blasio. These are now professors at Harvard. Lightfoot is going to teach a course in the Health Policy and Management Department. It's called Health Policy and Leadership. Now, what does Beetlejuice know about leadership, except that she doesn't know how to lead? What does she know about health policy? Nothing. She's a failed leader. She failed in her reelection bid. So if you're a Democrat, if you're a freak liberal, and it helps that you're a black lesbian in this case, you can fail in your election or your re-election bid as the mayor of Chicago after you've run it into the ground and you have murder city every weekend and you've done nothing to curb it, nothing. The state of Illinois is broken, financially broke. Well, of course you land on your feet as a professor at Harvard getting a lot of money. I can only imagine what she's making. If Pocahontas got $400,000 for one semester for one course, imagine what Beetlejuice is getting. But here's what she said. She wants those Harvard students to know some things. I learned a lot over the past four years, she said. It gives me an opportunity to share my experiences. Now, I would have entered the word to share my failed experiences and failed perceptions of governing through one of the most challenging chapters in American history. Yeah, she was challenged, all right. She plans to share in the class how the city of Chicago managed the COVID public health crisis. How you managed it? You shut it down. Good grief. Harvard claims that she's part of the Menschel Fellowship, a program meant to bring distinguished leaders from government and other sectors to campus to share their experiences with students. Now, a failed mayor in Chicago is hardly a distinguished leader. What about a successful former president in business and in the White House? His name's Donald Trump. Do they offer a job to him? He would actually qualify. He's actually run businesses, very successful ones, still does. He actually ran a successful four-year stint in the White House, turned the country around economically and in every possible way. 
wouldn't he qualify to be a distinguished leader from government and other sectors, bringing that kind of a person to campus to share their experiences? Of course he would, but it's Harvard. What Harvard should put out there is, we're adding two more liberal losers to our faculty because we don't want anything to do with successful Americans, especially conservative successful Americans, even though Donald Trump was for years a Democrat. We don't want people who donate their hard-earned millions to charities. We don't want politicians who work for free. We want criminals like Lori Lightfoot, Beetlejuice, who presided over the deaths of people because of her COVID policies. We want lunatics like de Blasio, who the, who the New York City Police Department turned their backs on during a funeral. That's what Harvard wants, not to mention Pocahontas. We are thrilled to welcome Mayor Lightfoot to this program, said the Director of Senior Leadership Fellows Program at Harvard, T.H. Chan School of Public Health, Eric Anderson. Well, that's a long title. Eric Anderson, let's see if you can put this on a little nameplate. Director of Senior Leadership Fellows Program at Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. <laughs> These liberals fancy themselves as really important people, don't they? I'm so important. Look at me. Look at my title. I'm Eric Anderson at Harvard. Among other achievements, he says, she's led a successful citywide response to covid bringing government, business, and community organizations together to safeguard public health and minimize economic impact. Can you imagine a guy having the balls to say that Beetlejuice Lightfoot safeguarded public health in a city that murders its own citizens in record numbers every week? Only Harvard could say that with a straight face. And then he writes, among other achievements, which ones? You haven't named one yet. But you said there were others that you left unnamed. And I'm assuming you left them unnamed because they don't exist. And they don't. They don't exist. So, and then Bill de Blasio. He's also <laughs> hired at Harvard as a teaching fellow. Makes him sound important, doesn't it? Now, he's going to be at the university's schools of government and also public health. Wow. Two losers at COVID are going to be public health professors at Harvard. Hmm. He will take part in what the school says is a variety of discussions, events, and programming. Again, at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Who the hell's T.H. Chan? But the dean says, we're thrilled to welcome Mayor de Blasio as Menschel Senior Leadership Fellow, says Dean Michelle Williams. Says that de Blasio has grappled with public health crises, including COVID, homelessness, and the opioid epidemic. Homelessness was created by de Blasio in New York. I wonder if they're going to lecture on the uh, advantages of having citizens flee your city because of your COVID policies. You think de Blasio will have a chapter on that? He ought to, because that's what happened. Dean Williams wasn't finished, though. Their insights and their mentorship will be tremendously helpful to students who aspire to public office, as well as to those who are looking to lead in other sectors. 
So if you aspire to public office, you want to be like Beetlejuice and de Blasio? Really? Surely you can't be serious. De Blasio's decades of experience in local government, federal agencies, national campaigns, and running the largest city in the country will provide invaluable insight to our students in the Harvard community. Let me remind Harvard that simply because you have a job that some perceive as very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess um, it carries a certain element of intrigue, maybe. Maybe people are easily impressed by it. I'm mayor of New York City, the biggest city in the country. But if you're a failure at it, why does your having been there for seven years of failure mean anything? And he was a failure at it. Then he ran for president. So now they, she says, oh, national campaign experience. He didn't even qual- He didn't even have 1% of the vote. He was off the debate stage post-haste. Experience in local government. Failed experience. Two major failures as mayors of huge cities in America who killed people with their lockdowns, who forced people into psychiatrist's office, who forced people into marriage counselor's offices, who'd set students back psychologically, emotionally, and physically for years and intellectually. These are the kinds of people that Harvard wants lecturing and educating young kids. (laughs) Harvard, you are an effing embarrassment. I wouldn't send my child to Harvard if you gave it to me for free. And I mean that. Not a chance. They said de Blasio's a die-hard Red Sox fan. Woo! Well, that ought to qualify him because there are none of those. And that's really rare. So there's the sign that the apocalypse is indeed upon us. Beetlejuice and de Blasio. Wow. Lecturing at Harvard. Side by side with Pocahontas. <laughs> teaching fellow. Hey, fella, are you a teacher? <laughs> oh, my God. How many tax subsidies do these universities get? Is Harvard, do they get all their money privately? They might. I mean, their endowment is outrageous. But I don't care if you're a conservative or a liberal. If I were, I don't know a conservative university to even mention, but let's say there was one in a nice world, in a sane world, and they hired people like that, failed politicians. I mean, let's say they hired Paul Ryan, like Fox did. I've spoken out about against that repeatedly. He's a Republican, says he's a conservative. He's actually a rhino. But we point out the members of the conservatives who claim to be conservatives who aren't, we point them out. The liberals never do. So if you're a parent of a Harvard student, don't you stand up and say, wait a minute, how much am I paying for tuition here? And we know they're getting a liberal indoctrination that we've warned them against, but now it's unbelievable. Pocahontas, Beetlejuice, and de Blasio. Only in the world of comic books would those people be teaching anybody anything. Now, you might create a sitcom for Hollywood having 
the Three Stooges come to Harvard. That could be a, a sitcom, I suppose. Follow the exploits of the Three Stooges as they educate Harvard University's once proud student body. That could be the promo for it. And you could have three idiots playing the Three Stooges. Well, you could have them play themselves, actually. Might even be better. But that would be the only value to having those three at Harvard is that someone could use a a script and present it to Hollywood producers. Here's the new sitcom, and it ought to be great. First of all, all the idiot liberals would watch it because they would think they're too dumb to know that you're making fun of the people. And believe me, liberals are dumb. So that would be fun. You'd make a fortune at it because all the liberals would be tuning in. Now, the problem is the advertisers... The liberals don't go out and buy anything. So that would be a problem. You'd have to have conservatives watch for the funny part, the comedy part. And the conservatives would tune in because they're smart enough to know that this is a sitcom. And they would, of course, support the advertisers, as conservatives always do. But the liberals don't go buy anything. They don't have any money unless you give it to them. And speaking of sitcoms, the sitcom that is the presidency continues. Biden falling down on a stage at the Air Force Academy yesterday, acting like he's a tough guy. Now, if it weren't Biden, we would feel horrible about this. We would, If you saw an elderly man fall at the grocery store, let's say, you'd be horrified. You'd run over and you'd help pick them up. But it's Biden. Now, that doesn't make it less horrible or less sad and less pathetic it simply makes it inexcusable that he's in the White House. Any country that has a feeble-minded, feeble, feeble physically person with his finger on the nuclear codes is itself a danger to humanity, and this country is a danger to humanity. There isn't any mistaking that. You can't hide it. You can't sugarcoat it. We are a danger to the rest of the world because we have that lunatic with his hands on the nuclear codes. Not to mention he might just stumble and fall onto the codes and launch missiles everywhere. So who well, who, who do you get pissed off at when you see that? Well, of course, the idiot liberals who voted for him. But what about his wife? And we've been saying this since the day he ran for office. Her ego her desire and thirst for power and greed for more money is what's behind Biden's run and his now second run. Any responsible, loving spouse would have never let him run the first time because of the public humiliation. But now she's on board with this second run, which, by the way, the Democrats are never going to allow. But she's fully on board with it. What kind of a spouse does that to their husband? Throws him out there to be publicly humiliated when he can't form a coherent sentence. He can't take two steps without stumbling. He shakes hands with invisible people. He can't complete a thought. And you trot him out there. She must hate this guy. She must hate him more than we do. And boy, we hate him. But I would never prop him up like that. It's an embarrassment. You know, The um, there has to be some sort of an organization out there that looks out for elderly people, right? I don't know what it is. We have an organization for everything else. 
Where's the woman that looks out for elderly people? Why aren't they screaming at her? She really be, be, ought to be in jail for elder abuse. She's one of the most despicable women in the history of our country. Tommy Laren, do you agree? I'm wondering where his family members are. Where is Jill Biden saying this is enough of this? This is humiliating for my husband. We need to take a step back and evaluate that. This is elder abuse. And quite frankly, it's repugnant. I think repugnant is about the word to use. But we've been saying this on this show since the day he ran for office. She has posed as president several times taking pictures of herself sitting on Air Force One, claiming that she's preparing for the G7 summit. (laughs) You're preparing. What do you have to offer? All you did was sleep with the right guy. That's how you got to be first lady. You didn't do anything else. But her greed and her arrogance is palpable. And yet, like her husband... When she speaks, she makes a buffoon of herself as well. The difference is she's not suffering from dementia. She humiliated and insulted the entire Hispanic community the last time she opened that big mouth of hers. Then, or, or I should say the second last time. The last time she opened her mouth, she decided that she would say something she thought was clever when no one laughed and no one applauded. She said, well, I would have thought there would be applause there. I'm begging for you to applaud me. My ego can't handle it. And that's why I'll keep trotting out stumbling Joe so that perhaps he can win again and I'll still be first lady and somehow we'll change the Constitution if he dies and they'll make me president. That's what she thinks. That woman is really a sick puppy. Remember when Donald Trump was at West Point and he finished his remarks and there was a very slick ramp after it had rained And he walked down it very gingerly, and he has said many times, he said, the one thing I didn't want to do was slip on that surface. I had hard-soled dress shoes on. It's like walking in Deerbergs, by the way. If you walk in Deerbergs, have you ever slipped as you walk in Deerbergs? I have plenty of times. But remember what the media said when Trump tiptoed his way down that slippery ramp. You would have thought he would drop dead. President Trump is facing some new questions about his health after an unsteady walk down a ramp. New questions about President Trump's health after his visit to West Point. The event sparked some concerns about the president's own health. It took him 10 minutes to walk down a ramp in this shuffle that alarmed a lot of people around the country. He says, what's wrong with the president of the United States? 10 minutes. This is how liberals talk, though. Hey, let's make it sound bad. He very carefully walked down the ramp, that's all. His unsteady walk, she said, the one person there. New health concerns about the president. No no one was concerned about his health. Just liberal psychopaths decided they would make a point out of a guy walking carefully down a slick ramp. Sounds like he's pretty smart to me. But he didn't know where the end of the ramp was, and Biden doesn't know where the end of the stage is. But that doesn't matter. You haven't heard one of them yesterday calling for new issues with regard to the president's health. No, they're pretty much quiet about it. They haven't said boo about it. But if you recall back when President Trump walked slowly down a slick ramp, a masked up Biden with his mask on wanted you to think 
he's healthy, but Trump's not. He wanted you to compare him to Donald Trump. Look at how he steps and look how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Okay? Come on. <laughs> I give Rachel Campos Duffy some credit last night. She used the video to compare, because Biden says compare it, to compare Trump walking up the steps at Air Force One and Biden stumbling three times and falling three times, going up the same stairs. Biden falling off the stage, Biden falling off his bike. While Biden's falling off stages, Trump's out playing golf. Trump's campaigning. Trump's all over the country. Biden can't make it off the stage. And even after he did and they picked him up, he looked like he was going to fall again as he as he wobbled to his chair. The whole thing's an embarrassment. Keep in mind, the day he drops dead, if he's in office, you know who we have. Sonny Hostin Houston. No, I'm joking. Heels up horse, but Sonny Hostin Houston believes that heels up, speaks like the fool that she is, because legal advice is sending her down the wrong path. That's right. Blame the, the, the sluts lawyers for her stupidity. But here's Hostin Houston telling you lawyers are trained to speak this way. I would add that as a lawyer, you're generally told when you're speaking that you speak in threes because that's what people remember. So if you're going to talk about a car, you talk about the car, the red car, the fast red car. (laughs) See Jane jump. See the doggy jump. See Jane jump over the doggy. She thinks people are in third grade. That's probably actually first grade. Let me tell you. First of all, the fake New York accent, I, I get a good kick out of every time she speaks. If you're going to talk about a core, talk about the red core. Talk about the fast red core. I got news for her. I don't know what law school she went to, but I did go to law school at the University of Missouri. Very good law school. And no one taught me to speak in threes, whatever that means. I don't even know what it means. She says they teach you to talk in threes, and then she says the red car. The car. The car would be two words. The red car. The fast red car. There's four words. When did they teach you to talk in threes? That woman is illiterate. And she's a joke. Remember, this is the woman who was talking about white women wanting to be successful and how dastardly they are are for that. Telling everybody that, well, it's the United States, so there's always racism involved. This woman and her black husband are millionaires. She walks onto a a TV set every day and pontificates stupidly, foolishly, like the dummy that she is, and gets paid millions. He makes millions. And then she criticizes the country that she lives in that provides an opportunity for her to make that kind of a living? And they only do it because she's partially black. She's a mulatto, of course. And the only reason she has a job is because of that reason. She's not smart. She has nothing to offer. She bitches and screams and yells about how horrible the country is. When all she's done is benefit off the country for years. That's how liberals are, though. It's incredible, isn't it? Those were some of the dumbest things she's ever said, though. 
See Jane run. <laughs> I couldn't believe I was hearing that. I had to I had to run it back five times. Here, you might want to hear it one more time. I would add that as a lawyer, you're generally told when you're speaking that you speak in threes because that's what people remember. So if you're going to talk about a car, you talk about the car, the red car, the fast red car. Speaking threes. So when you talk about the car, talk about the car, red car, or no, the car. How do you how do you make that kind of a mistake? Talk in threes. Because that's what people remember, she said. Remember what? Do you think anyone has gone into a courtroom where a lawyer is trying a case, listened to the lawyer making his case, and walked out and said, wow, that guy talks in threes. I'm going to have to start doing that myself. I mean, all the legal TV shows you've ever seen in your life, from Perry Mason to Owen Marshall Counselor at Law to L.A. Law to any of them. Have you ever heard the lawyers talk in threes? Is that what you said after you watched the episode? Woo! Man, those guys can talk in threes. I got to start learning me that myself. Except then she talks in twos and then fours. So, how do you like our government? Sandy Cortez likes it so much, she wants more of it to invade your life. They are accusing Democrats of saying we spend too much. For anyone that wants to entertain that thought, I ask you to think about the last time a person said has said in this country that the government does too much for them, that their Social Security check was too high, that teachers are paid too much. When was the last time anyone has heard or seen that? Does, does any of that mean anything? That's her argument for having more government. Government sucks, so no one's ever said government paychecks are too low or too high, so government sucks. We need to give you more. We need to provide more incompetence in your life, more restrictions in your life. She was making the case for us, but she's too dumb to realize that. So Chip Roy responded and made it for her. When was the last time you had a bureaucrat show up and you said, oh, joy, thank you. I'm really glad there's a bureaucrat here. When was the last time you were thankful for $32 trillion in debt, $100,000 almost for every man, woman, and child in America? Anybody thankful for $32 trillion in debt? Anybody? Anybody thankful for a border that's wide open being exploited by cartels while fentanyl comes in and kills our children? Everybody thankful for that Department of Homeland Security that doesn't actually secure the homeland? Everybody thankful for an FBI that went after Scott Smith and labeled him a domestic terrorist for daring to defend his daughter in a school board meeting because she was assaulted in a bathroom? Anybody thankful for the IRS knocking on your door, auditing the poor and the minorities three to five times more? People thankful for that? Are you thankful for the EPA or the Department of Interior that sent a man to prison because he had some ponds on his ranch in Montana? We have a government that is weaponized against the American people and is undermining our liberties, and they want more of it. (laughs) I'd say that answered her pretty well. And they want more of that. They want more of that rampant rank incompetence and corruption. Because the more they have, the more power they exercise over you and me. 
They can't get it without more power, and they get power through government programs. And, of course, government edicts, because it is a dictatorship after all. And they love it. They love that power. They swim in it, they eat it, they devour it. This government has grown some 40%, according to stats our research assistant found, since COVID. 40%. And all these giveaways have resulted in what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Except abject failure in every sector of the country. But hey, Harvard's going to educate everybody with Bill de Blasio and Beetlejuice and Pocahontas. So never fear, right? Did you watch uh, President Trump on Hannity's town hall last night? I never watched Hannity, but since Trump was doing a town hall, I thought I would tune in. I regret that I did. Hannity being Hannity, he wanted to be the star of the show, of course. You have a former president running for president, leading the Dem- uh, the Republican field, and you talk so much yourself that the president can hardly get anything in. Hannity, in his typical fashion, takes minutes to ask a question. He simply pontificates and talks, and most times doesn't even have a question at the end of it. So he... Promote, he promoted the show saying that he was going to ask the questions that we wanted to hear answers to, direct questions, and that he would have questions coming from the studio audience. So for f- almost 50 minutes, Hannity ran his big mouth, very rarely asking any kind of a question. And then when he did, if Trump began to ramble on, he didn't stop him and bring him back to the question. He said, instead, let him ramble on and told everybody how he's known Trump for 30 years. God, this guy's such an egomaniac. Hannity, that is. And then I think it was a total of two questions, maybe three, from the studio audience. Fox being Fox, being numbskulls, they filled the studio audience with people that are going to support Trump and then bragged about it. Hannity said, I doubt there's anybody in here that won't be voting for you. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you have half of the audience liberals or half of the audience people that are undecided as to who they're going to vote for? Let's hear from them. Let them question the president. Let him change their minds. There were no minds to change in there. The Stepford people for Donald Trump were in there. And that's not a criticism. I'm just saying that's what was going on. You're not going to, those are people like me. I'm going to vote for Trump no matter what. You should have other people in there. But no, Fox can't do that because they're too short-sightedly stupid. I'm surprised they even let Donald Trump on their air. So it was really a failure, the entire show. Very rarely was Trump able to articulate some positive things that he was actually going to do. Because my question has always been, don't tell us in generalities. Don't say, I'll fix it in six months. Tell us how you're going to fix it in six months. Anybody can say you'll close the borders. How are you going to close the borders? Anybody can say you'll drive inflation down. How are you going to drive inflation down? So Trump got away with saying general things like this. We have to have fair, free, strong, powerful elections, and we have to have borders. And if you don't have those two things, you don't have a country. You take the five worst presidents in the history of our country and you put them together, and they haven't done as much damage as this administration has done to the United States of America. Look at our 
number one opponent because I don't know if he's going to be number two very long because he's heading south very rapidly. You know, the, the comment about the five worst presidents is a good one. The other things are just generalities and, of course, a shot at DeSantis, which is fine. That's part of the deal. But no gener- I don't want generalities. I, I know what he's going to do, but I want him to articulate to people who don't know, who are on the fence, who are undecided, who may be leaning liberal. Yeah. And then you have DeSantis out there never spe- specifying what he's going to do. Instead, saying you should vote for him. Why? Because I'm an incompetent boob. It'll take me eight years to do what Trump can do in four. We must put an end to the culture of losing that has infected the Republican Party of recent years. You really need to ensure that we have a two-term president to be able to see this to a conclusion. I mean, you do one term and they reverse it when they come in. You can't have it be reversed. you got to have humility. Uh, you can't be prideful. Uh, it can't be just about you. Actually, it's all about you. You're running for president. So it's 100% about you and what you're going to do. I, I mean, the more I hear DeSantis talk, the more I think, my God, how could I support, ever have supported that guy? What he did in Florida is good stuff, but it was all Trump's policies. And he stood up to the woke crowd, which was good. I congratulated him for that. But now when I hear him talk, I'm thinking, you sound like an empty shell of an idiotic liberal. I mean, he really does, doesn't he? We need to put a stop to the culture of losing in the Republican Party. What culture of losing? During the midterms, if I recall, the Republicans took back the House. Yeah, we all wish they would have been able to take the Senate, but that was a long shot to begin with. And Ronna McDaniel can be fingered as the problem there, who runs the Republican Party. But what do you mean culture of losing? You won, didn't you? I don't know too many Republican governors that lost their jobs during the midterms. And we won the House. This culture of losing. He picks that up from the media, of course. That's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. This eight, we need eight years. I need eight years to do the job. That's what I need. Who's, who's guaranteeing you eight years if, let's say, you run in, the, in 2024 and you win? Who says you're going to be there eight years? Here's what Trump says about needing eight years. But when I heard uh, DeSantis go out and say uh, and and talk about eight years, we need eight years. You don't need eight years. You need six months. We can turn this thing around so quickly. If you need eight years, who the hell wants to wait eight years? You don't need eight years. (laughs) Who the hell wants to wait eight years is right. I don't want to wait eight years. That's what I love about Trump. DeSantis needs to remember that were it not for Trump's intervention in supporting him, in endorsing him in his first run for governor, he would have been a part of a culture of losing because he would have lost. Rather than be grateful for that, he's decided to stab President Trump in the back and make idiotic comments like, well, I need eight years, so we need a guy who can be here eight years. So Trump says, I can do it in six months, and I say, okay. I love hearing that because who does want to wait eight years? Nobody. How are you going to do it? It's drilling. It's the wall. And it's getting criminals out of our country that have been allowed to come in so freely. We're going to get them out. I like those things. Drilling. The wall. Get the criminals out of here. And you know he'll do it. 
He's already drilled. He's already built the wall. He's he's already put a lid on illegal aliens. So he's going to do what he did before, and that's what I want him to talk about. And I want him to keep talking about it until he pounds it into every idiot's head out there. Here's not what I'm going to do. Here's what I did, and I'm going to continue to do it. And here's the successes we had. He needs to highlight all of the successes. He doesn't talk nearly enough about the Abraham Accords. He doesn't talk nearly enough about keeping his word as president where prior presidents to him failed and didn't keep their word about moving our embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. Another promise kept. He doesn't talk nearly enough about the trade deals that he was able to negotiate with Canada and Mexico. He did talk last night about the tariffs that he put on China to strangle them. I'm glad he said that. I'm glad he talked about that. Because that's a great line of demarcation between him and Biden and him and what I believe DeSantis. I haven't heard DeSantis say he'd tariff China. I haven't heard DeSantis say anything about China. So when Trump tells you he can do it in six months, and of course he's already done it, DeSantis was asked about that and uttered one of the dumbest responses I've ever heard from a politician. Why didn't he do it his first four years? Why didn't he do it his first four years? Where were you? Were you not paying attention? You copied everything he did. His first four years, he turned this country around into an economic giant, energy independent for the first time in my lifetime, and ready to move even further ahead of everybody else in the world in every area, despite being choked by liberal freak shows in the media and in Congress. Why didn't he do it in his first four years? Were you asleep, dude? Were you too too busy with Disney riding the rides? Why didn't he do it the first four years? Let me tell you something. For the four years that Trump was in office... DeSantis was sucking up the Trump like nobody's business, telling the whole world what a great job he had done and was doing. So when you say, why didn't he do it the first four years, go back and look at your own videos. Go back and look at your own comments. You were telling everybody in Florida how great Trump was. I'm getting close to never voting for DeSantis, if, even if he runs after Trump wins. This would have been so easy, but the Republicans are too stupid to figure it out. It would have been so simple to get those two together. DeSantis, check your ego at the door when you come in here. You're running for vice president with Trump, if Trump is okay with that. But you're not running for president. We're not going to support you. We need to win the White House, and we need everybody all hands on deck. The rest of these fringe characters can go ahead and declare for uh, the election all they want. Thank you, Haley. Have fun. Tim Scott, good luck. Chris Christie, you're an ass. That's all it would have taken. But that's called leadership, you see. I wish I was in charge of these people because they're, they're too stupid. But it just takes simple leadership. Unfortunately, everybody who gets in these positions is in there because of some political favor that somebody owes to somebody else. Or it's who they know rather than actually look for leadership qualities in someone. And that's why Donald Trump needs to be president. Leadership, the ability to run a successful multinational business, 
and a proven track record as president in securing our borders, in keeping us safe, in ending needless wars and endless wars, in taking out terrorists, in creating an economy where everybody who wanted to work could work, energy independence, those are all proud accomplishments. So when DeSantis says, why didn't he do it the first four years? You just told the whole world, DeSantis, that your Ivy League education at Harvard was worthless, or Yale, whichever one you went to, was worthless. Because you're too damn dumb to understand you praised that very president for those four years. And now you wonder, why didn't he do it in his first four years? Now, Trump needs to respond today by shoving it down DeSantis' throat. Here's what I did in the first four years. But whoever's running Trump's campaign is asleep at the wheel. There should be an immediate TV ad running nationally with that comment by DeSantis, with Trump saying, it'll take me six months, then DeSantis saying, why didn't he do it the first four years, and then Trump identifying what he did and what he will do. That's a simple TV ad, and it would be spectacularly successful. It would ruin DeSantis. It'd finish him off. I think he's finished anyway, but that would finish him off. Now, I'm told that Trump is going to be on Hannity again tonight, supposedly, to take questions from the audience. Oh, I guess they realized the folly of their ways last night. But don't just have Republican sycophants in there. Have people who want to know answers to serious questions that are not Trump voters necessarily. I mean, don't you want to hear from the enemy? Don't you want to hear from people who might not vote for you? If you want to win the election, that's who you have to get. It's not that you're taking your own audience for granted. You're not. But you've already got them. You don't need me in that audience. You need my lunatic liberal brother. When DeSantis does talk about specifics, rarely, he sounds an awful lot like the guy he said who couldn't do it in his four years. We're going to shut down the border. We're going to declare a national emergency. We're going to build a border wall. We're going to stop mass migration. And we will hold the Mexican drug cartels accountable for what they are doing to our country. These Mexican drug cartels are killing a lot of Americans. They need to be treated uh, like the hostile force that they are. We need to be holding the cartels accountable, and we need to be holding the Mexican government accountable because they are allowing a lot of this to happen. Every single thing he said is a Trump policy and something that Trump's already accomplished. If you remember when Obrador, the president of Mexico, was going around saying that uh, he wasn't going to keep people in Mexico. Trump made him keep people in Mexico. When you tariff them, they get a little nervous. But that's called leadership. And here's the other part that DeSantis is showing a little bit of juvenile behavior in. All right, Trump is legendary for creating nicknames for people. It's funny. I enjoy it. I get a kick out of it. I mean, who doesn't laugh when you hear Pocahontas? Some of them are juvenile. Who cares? It's just part of Trump being Trump. 
And I'm cool with that because Trump being Trump is also the smartest guy in the room. So I'm okay. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and so he's been dissanctimonious and all that. I mean, I, I wish he wouldn't, but who cares? Now DeSantis is showing how thin-skinned he really is because he's mad that Trump is teasing him with nicknames. It's so petty. I think it's so juvenile. I don't think that's what voters want. And honestly, I think that that his conduct, uh, which he's been doing for years now, uh, I think that's one of the reasons he's not in the White House now, because I think he alienated too many voters uh, for things that really don't matter. Once again, DeSantis providing fodder like the prick that he is, for Trump's campaign. Run that clip where he's been doing this for years, that's why he's not president, and then run DeSantis sucking up to Trump for four years. It's pretty simple. I wouldn't feel the need to call DeSantis any kind of a name. I would just embarrass him with his own words like we do every day here on our show. These people step into potholes of their own stupidity. It's so simple. Just point it out. But those are simple ads to create. Who's asleep in Trump's campaign? Who's running that campaign? Some idiot? I mean, that's simple. And DeSantis just shows what a... You want to talk petty? How petty can you be? Oh, this is why he's not president. Because he calls someone Pocahontas? That's not what voters want. Like, you know what voters want? Every policy idea you have, you stole from Donald Trump. Every one. You don't have a unique idea in your body. He's an embarrassment. I wouldn't, if it were Robert F. Kennedy Jr. against DeSantis for president, I'd vote for Kennedy every every day and 10 times on Sunday. I think DeSantis is a polished, professional politician. That's all he is. I said Yale or Harvard. He went to both. He went to both. He embarrassed both schools. And he embarrassed the Navy. Because he doesn't sound like a man's man to me. He sounds like a coward. Who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about? And the rest of them are all the same. You know, Trump said last night he wonders why these people even get in the race. They have 0% or 1% as they poll. And that would include Christie. Now, he, he said he has no idea why Chris Christie would get in this race. Well, I do. Chris Christie is a paid hitman for the liberals. Christie's going to run, quote, as a Republican for an office that he has zero chance of winning. He has, Chris Christie has zero chance of ever getting 5% in the polls. Zero. But he's running so that he can gain an audience on liberal outlets, and maybe even Fox, to rip Donald Trump. That's all Christie's doing. That's going to be his role. This is the most embarrassing kind of person you can find in politics. A guy who sucks up to Trump, who then thinks that sucking up is going to result in a cabinet position, who who desperately wanted to be attorney general. And I would say that Trump made a mistake. He probably should have brought him in. He couldn't have been any worse than the people Trump hired. But he didn't. And so when he didn't, Christie turned on him just like that little chameleon Mittens Romney did. 
And now Christie wants to take it even further. He got himself hired by a liberal outpost, ABC, day, uh, every week on a weekly basis, just criticized Donald Trump. That's all he did. And now he's going to, quote, unquote, run for president. You're not running for president any more than I am. I swear to God, if I declared I was running, I would get as much in the polling as Chris Christie's going to get, which is nothing. But that's his role. His role is the liberal hitman. That's it. You watch and see. He's supposed to announce he's running in a day or so, maybe today. Wait till you hear what he says. He's not going to tell you what he's going to do for the country. He's going to tell you how bad the orange man is. Kellyanne Conway has a knack for breaking down the strategy of these candidates, and she does a great job on DeSantis. The theory of the case for Ron DeSantis running for president is being blown up by these polls against Trump in three ways. Mm. Number one is electability. I'm the only guy who can win, and I'm the only guy who can beat Biden. That's just not true. He's not winning. And sure, he's biting, he's beating Biden here or there, but so is Trump. Secondly, he feels like he has an advantage on COVID. He's out there talking about Dr. Fauci and COVID and lockdowns. I can't find very many Republican presidential primary voters in 2024 who want to talk about COVID. I know what he's trying to say. He's wrong that he didn't shut down the state. He did shut down the state. His better argument, Larry, is the truthful one, which is I opened up Florida faster Mm. than other states. But they had a bad second wave. And because of Florida's weather, COVID was a little bit delayed there. Um, The third theory of the case that was supposed to bolster Ron DeSantis is that he's the guy who uh, he's the guy, he's generational change. People don't seem to want that right now. They don't want Biden there. Mm. But I think the whole generational change looks like inexperience. Carpe diem, Kellyanne Conway. She echoed what we've been saying here forever. He didn't shut down Florida. He, he locked, I mean, excuse me, he did lock down Florida. He didn't leave them open. But he did open sooner than other states, which we've given him credit for. But when he claims he didn't lock down Florida, yes, he did. Florida beaches were closed. I distinctly remember all those videos of empty beaches. And threats, threats from Florida governmental agencies that if you were on the beaches, you were in trouble. So, yes, he did lock him down. And, yes, when he says he's the only one who can win, he's not winning. He's not winning anything. He's getting trounced in his own party. And she's right. There are a couple of polls that show DeSantis beating Biden. But every poll shows Trump beating Biden. Some, commissioned by liberals, have Trump seven points ahead of Biden. In this divided country, that's like being a thousand years ahead of somebody. So everything DeSantis is spewing is like a liberal liar. I don't get it. I don't get who overtook his body. This is a guy who was proud to be aligned with Donald Trump. These Republicans, I'm telling you, they're traitors. I'll tell you who doesn't want DeSantis, and that's that Mexican President Obrador. You want to talk about gov- or, excuse me, foreign government interference with our elections? Here it is. All of Governor DeSantis's playing politics with migrants was because he wanted to be the Republican Party candidate. I hope the Hispanics of Florida wake up and don't give him a single vote. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so unbelievable. And it shows you the, the, the level of respect that Obrador has for Trump. 
Trump kicked my ass in at every on every issue, and yet I'd still rather deal with him than DeSantis. Because I think he believes Trump to be an honest negotiator with him. He might get the better of the negotiation. Trump might be coming from a, a position of strength. But he tells him what he's going to do, and here's what we're going to do. It's just going to be that way. And you're going to keep these people in Mexico until their court dates. So he did. But it's kind of funny to hear him so desperately want, hey, get rid of DeSantis. He's a fraud. I hope none of the Hispanic people vote for him. So to me, it's obvious. It's an easy choice. And when you talk about all of the different particulars and all of this gender mutilation that's going on in this country. Does anybody have a plan for that? I haven't heard DeSantis say boo about it. Trump does have a plan. He's talked briefly about it and needs to talk more about it. But Stephen Miller talked about it, and here's what the plan is. President Trump has put out a plan to fight the transgender lobby that is the most cutting-edge plan I've seen from anybody. He's going to—he's proposing to decertify medical institutions so they cannot get Medicaid or Medicare that perform these procedures. He's saying he will instruct the DOJ to pursue civil rights charges and criminal charges against people who hurt our children, and he's proposing a 50-state ban on child genital mutilation. This is all hard-hitting, aggressive, culture warrior stuff. Carpe diem, Stephen Miller and President Trump for what you're doing to protect our kids. It is culture warrior stuff. To me, there's only two candidates in the Republican Party, and that's Donald Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy. I like hearing Ramaswamy talk. He has solid credentials, great ideas. He's extremely intelligent. And like Donald Trump, he doesn't mind telling you exactly what he's going to do without talking generalities. Trump gets off the, the the topic too much, but that's Trump. He's a he's a barnstorming salesman. That's what he is. He's always been in sales, and so he's a good salesman. But you got to keep him focused more on the issue at hand. And when you do, and he gives you his detailed plans, they're all great plans, and they've all worked in the past, and some are new dealing with different issues like this one, gender mutilation. And all signs point to the end of the Biden regime. Is that correct, Michael Schellenberger, the journalist who helped Elon Musk on the Twitter dump? Look, we're at a moment where I believe the House of Biden cards is falling. We're starting to see that the really the rope has run out. They There is a document that the Republicans seem very confident about. They have multiple whistleblowers that say it does show a criminal bribery scheme. So we start to see an intensification of the focus on Trump and the investigations into Trump. I, you know, look, uh, we, we, we don't know what's going to happen, but I am very skeptical that Biden will be the Democrats nominee. I think we're going to see some pretty significant changes over the, over the next six months. I, I live in California. I tend to still think that Gavin Newsom is running for president. He might be right. I guarantee you Obama's significant other, whatever that is, is running. So you may see DeSant, excuse me, you may see um, Newsom and Obama spouse and then RFK Jr. 
if that were the field, I wonder what the liberals would do. I wonder if they would start switching to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That name's bigger than Obama, although I'm sure that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. would be happy to point out that in Obama's case, not one single accomplishment to discuss. Not one. Never served in any form of public life. Never ran a business. Never did anything except hate America. And that would be the easy ads to run against her, him, using their pronouns, her, him. It's pretty simple. Now, why haven't we seen an attack on Biden's health like they did on Donald Trump for no reason at all? And with Biden, the reasons are obvious. Greg Jarrett knows why. And why did Karine Jean-Pierre, the little black lesbian, get so upset when she was at, or not, not Karine Jean-Pierre, but yeah, her and John Kirby, when they were asked about the poll that says Americans believe Biden to be corrupt, the majority of Americans. You heard off camera Karine Jean-Pierre utter, Jesus. Jesus? What are you invoking Jesus for? First of all, you don't even believe in him. But secondly, because a guy dared to ask a question about a poll that says your guy is corrupt, and then Kirby lied in his answer, and you heard snickering from the White House press corps, all on one tape. Greg Jarrett's a legal professor, legal scholar. Why do you think we heard those kinds of things? They're on Joe Biden's side. Uh, They are, as I described earlier in our discussion, winning accessories to the cover-up and the protection racket that's being run. Um, Joe Biden has already, there's nothing to it. He's already spoken about it. Joe Biden has consistently said that he uh, knew nothing about his son's business deals overseas and was not involved. Really? White House records during the Obama administration show that more than 80 of Hunter Biden's business partners and overseas clients had meetings with Joe Biden at the White House. There are photographs. There are other, you know, records uh, that demonstrate that, that Joe Biden, the big guy, was not just involved. He was the cornerstone. It's exactly what he was. And all the evidence is there, even though the liberals don't want to see it. But it's all there. And even if we didn't have Biden tripping off stages and falling up stairways and falling off bicycles and not being able to speak a coherent sentence and not being able to finish a simple sentence, never taking questions from anybody, hiding in his basement, even if we didn't have all that, Josh Hawley, what would it be like? Even when he's 100% lucid and with it, his policies are a disaster. So all the way around, it's bad, which is why we've got to have a change. He's so right. But I want to know, Josh Hawley, when was he lucid? I mean, I don't think the man's been lucid in decades. And even even when he was in the Senate, I'm not so sure he was lucid. He wasn't a bright guy. I remember this is a guy who nearly flunked out of law school, who was plagiarizing papers in college. He's just not a smart fellow. He aligns himself with the Ku Klux Klan, tells black people they ain't black, calls black people stupid because they can't get themselves a voter ID card, I mean, this guy, there's not a smart moment in his life. And that's why I had to come up with a, an influence peddling scheme to make money. He wasn't going to make any money. 
Every single person that's ever been in office, it seems like to me, writes a book, maybe five of them. Has Biden ever written a book? If he has, I don't recall it. And he can't write a book because he can't write. He can't think. By the way, Josh Hawley is one of the senators who voted no on the debt ceiling plan, and here's why. Really simple. For me, the most important deficit we face is our trade deficit with China. Every dollar of that deficit represents jobs lost to China, 60,000 in my home state of Missouri alone. It represents industry lost to China. It represents manufacturing withering away. And this deal doesn't do anything to address those needs, to bring back blue-collar jobs to this country and actually start making things here again. So I'm going to vote no. And I tell you what, Joe Biden's policy of making China rich and America poor has got to be reversed. Carpe diem to Josh Hawley, my first pick for attorney general. I don't know if you heard Schumer talking about this debt ceiling plan, saying that a yes vote doesn't mean the limits that are on spending in this in this bill, but a yes vote doesn't mean that we can't give more money to Ukraine. How about that? <laughs> These people, I mean, what does Ukraine have over these people? Do they have pictures? They must. And Holly wasn't happy with that comment either about Ukraine, and he, he pretty much is accurate when he predicts what this will do. Nothing. Isn't it striking that what the Senate is most concerned about as we look at what the, all of the challenges the United States is facing, our runaway deficits, our runaway trade deficit, is aid to Ukraine, more billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine without any accountability? Here's what's going to happen. The Congress is absolutely going to blow right through these supposed caps. Already tonight, Schumer was talking about how they're going to pass more money for defense, more money pretty soon for domestic spending, more money for all kinds of giveaways. Mark my words, pretty soon it'll be right back to the pork barrel spending. Nothing's going to change here. And how can that be? If he's correct, and I believe he is, that they're going to blow right through these supposed spending caps, why are they supposed spending caps? Why aren't they concrete spending caps? So is it just a nod and a wink? Hey, we're going to cap spending. Wink, wink. Is that what it is? It sure sounds like that from Hawley. There should be safeguards in this bill that you can't blow through these spending caps. A spending cap is a spending cap. There's no wiggle room there. If your mom gives you a dollar a week allowance when you're growing up, you don't get $2 every now and then. You get a dollar. Or you don't get $2 just because you want $2. But these people, eh, we'll, we'll go right, we'll blow right through those. He's right. I'm telling you, he's right. It's exactly what they're going to do. Nothing means anything in Washington. Who's kept their word in the last 20 years that you've been, been around? It's been Trump. And at every turn, they fought him. Unless a president's policies are contrary to what this country stands for, Congress should be a willing supporter of the president's agenda. People voted for the president. Keep in mind, I have a caveat there. Unless the policies are going to destroy our country. Now, people will say, well, that can be 
widely interpreted. Well, maybe. But I'd say looking at Joe Biden's policy is pretty simple. When you cut thousands, tens of thousands of high-paying jobs on a pipeline that was helping, going to help to make us even more energy independent, I'd say that's contrary to America's interests. So that shouldn't have been allowed. When you continually aid Ukraine with our money, with no accountability, that shouldn't be allowed. When you continually allow the border open so that illegal murderers, rapists, criminals of all stripes can come into our country, that shouldn't be allowed. When your idiocy regarding energy in this country, not allowing drilling on federal lands, that takes us from energy independence to where we are now, begging Venezuela for oil, that shouldn't be allowed. Those are all policy ideas that run contrary to the benefit of the American people. But when you are getting funding to build a border wall for security, nothing wrong with that. That should have been a cooperation point. When you're negotiating trade deals with different countries to benefit us, That should all be supported in Congress. When you're giving tax cuts to all Americans, not the upper 1%, all Americans, that should be supported by Congress. I'm wondering what ideas Trump had that ran contrary to the interest of our country. There were none. And yet they fought him every step of the way. And here you have a president in there now who swore to us all that he would never interfere with any investigation into his son. Remember that? The Department of Justice is independent. It's never been independent. But the Department of Justice is independent. They're going to look into it. They're not going to look into it. Whatever they want to do is fine. But we won't interfere. It's separate from us. Chris Swecker is a former assistant to the uh, head of the FBI. Has the Hunter Biden case received special treatment? I mean, this case has been riddled with, uh, you know, special accommodations for Hunter Biden from the very start. I mean, this case started in 2018. That's five years. Nothing takes five years. They apparently delayed it for 18 months because they didn't want to do any real investigation in the lead up to the election because they thought it might impact the election. Heck, there's a FARA violation in there. There's money laundering violations. There's fraud. There's tax violations. And then the gun charge. But they want to put us to sleep with the gun charge and the tax violations. (laughs) He's exactly right. All those serious crimes, all of them are right there for anybody's looking on the laptop. And they want to tell you that the only thing Hunter Biden's look, we're looking into him on are these gun violations and tax problems. And he's right. Put us to sleep. Chris Wecker also believes that this document that Christopher Ray is protecting with his life isn't all that he's hiding. But I contend there's a lot more information than just that 1023, which is about a five or six page report of the information that came from this confidential source back in June of 2020, supposedly. There's got to be follow-up investigation and other documents that need to be reviewed as well. And I hope they're asking for the right documents because that's just the beginning, the 1023. That should trigger a whole lot of vetting and and, uh, just proactive follow-up investigation to to prove or disprove the information the source brought forward. 
if I'm James Comer or Chuck Grassley and I'm looking into all of this stuff as they are, I hire Chris Swecker as an assistant because he can point you in the direction where to look. As he said, I, I hope they're looking for the right things. Well, they may not know, although the whistleblowers, I assume, are pointing them in the right direction. But Chris Swecker, as a former assistant director in the FBI, knows exactly where all the bones are buried. You can count on that. And that's a guy who should be hired as an advisor by the Republican Party. Rather than waste our tax money on stupid stuff, pay him. I mean, you never have any accountability for spending our money. That would be a a good way to spend some of our money. Pay him. By the way, if you're a Trump supporter, you are also part of a cult. Did you know that? So James, what was his name? Jones was the the guy that went to uh, South America with the Kool-Aid drinkers. I think his name was Jones. He led a cult. And according to James Comey, who's begging the the American people to buy his novels, he wrote a novel. (laughs) Now he fancies himself to be some kind of a big author, but he has to go around begging people to buy it. And as he begs him, he takes pot shots at Donald Trump and thinks that's how people will run out and buy it. Now, the liberals probably would. But Comey says that if you are a Donald Trump fan, you are part of a cult. Donald Trump is the leader of a cult who has radicalized his followers. And dealing with a radicalized populace is incredibly challenging because it's so hard for someone who's been defrauded or radicalized to walk away. Nobody wants to walk away. See, he forgot about that. We all understand that what President Trump has done benefits the country. We don't have any intention of walking away. It's so hard for us, he says. So darn hard. We just can't we just can't quit him. No one wants to quit him. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. There has never been a guy, and I say never because I really believe this, that's more brazenly arrogant than James Comey. And this arrogant pompous ass thinks he's now a psychologist in in addition to being a novel writer because he gets it. I get why so many of his followers want a memory hold January the 6th because those images whisper to those people, you fool, look what you did. And that's too painful for most humans to deal with. So they memory hold it and they go deeper into the cult. That's a phenomenon we've seen in Islamic radicalism. That's a phenomenon we've seen in religious radicalism. It's an enormous challenge. The most important thing is that we as a free society use our votes to make sure the cult leader is not returned to a position where he can really do damage to our country. Oh, it's it's whispering to me. The memory hole. I'm going to memory hole it, whatever that means. Sounds a little perverted. He's going to memory hole that. January 6th. Memory hole. What are you talking about? But we've got to use our votes to make sure the cult leader doesn't get anywhere near the leadership role. He didn't mean use his votes. He meant use our political influence and our cheating and our mail-in ballots. That's what he meant. It's whispering to me. Is it whispering to you? We're being whispered to now. We're hearing voices because we're memory holding things and We've got problems. We're cult followers. 
part of a cult. I don't know about you, but if Donald Trump told me to drink poisonous Kool-Aid, I wouldn't be drinking it. My guess is neither would you. And, of course, Comey has never stopped making excuses for the corrupt FBI that he led. And while he led it, it was corrupt. Before he led it, it was corrupt. And since he's left it, it's corrupt. But according to him, it's just a little bit of miscommunication. That the FBI didn't communicate clearly the status of certain sources. They didn't double-check certain information before putting it in a court application for a foreign intelligence wiretap and a bunch of others. But in complex investigations, there's always going to be mistakes. It doesn't mean the FBI is incompetent, honest, and independent. It means exactly that. These weren't mistakes. These were intentional acts of of. I'm not well espionage, I suppose, because they spied on Trump's campaign. But these were intentional acts of lying to a FISA court. You didn't lie accidentally. That wasn't a mistake. That was a plan. You planned it, and you were part of it. So don't give me any of your soft peddling of your lies and your criminal behavior. You're a criminal. You've lied under oath. That's not a mistake. That's you trying to protect yourself and save your ass. That's not a mistake. It's not a miscommunication, Comey. You knowingly covered up for a criminal family, the Clintons, and a criminal operation, the Clinton Crime Syndicate, in lying to a FISA court. You belong in jail right along with her. But Comey wants you to think, ah, you know, there's always mistakes. You know what a mistake is? A mistake is oversleeping, forgetting to set your alarm. That's a mistake. It's not a mistake when you lie under oath and submit a false portfolio dossier that you knew was false, and you did it intentionally. How about I'm saying we just kind of failed to, to check into this? You failed to check into it because you did it on purpose, You weren't going to go check this dossier. You knew it was a lie. It wasn't as if you thought it was true. That's been proven. You knew it was a lie when it was presented to the FISA court. So there was no, oh, gosh, golly gee willikers, we forgot to fact check the dossier. We knew it was a lie. We presented it anyway under oath to a FISA court to obtain an illegal spy warrant on a presidential campaign for the political opponent of that campaign. That's what you did, among other things. That's not a mistake. A mistake is you being born. That was a mistake. But that is what you did. You're an ungodly, arrogant liar. You now believe, I guess, that you're some sort of amateur psychologist and to tell us all that we're cult members and that that's how that's how you radicalize terrorists so not only are we cult members but we're terrorists he's seen it before he says let me tell you who's a radicalized group okay the fbi they're radicalized their members are radicalized their employees are radicalized except for the whistleblowers who are the only honest people at the fbi the rest of them would all rather get a paycheck then tell the truth and pursue criminals, which is what they were sworn to do. But realistically, how could you expect 
employees, rank-and-file FBI people, to ever follow the truth, to ever pursue the truth, when the people they work for are abject, proven, arrogant liars who break the law. Think about this now. The top law enforcement agency in the country, the one we depend on to keep the law, breaks the law and does so intentionally for political reasons. So if you're working for the FBI, you think, well, why should I be honest? You know, hopefully you have your own set of morals and principles and character, but apparently they don't. I shouldn't say apparently. Clearly, members of the FBI do not. That's without discussion, without debate. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is out campaigning, and he issued a very thinly veiled explanation as to why he doesn't hide in mommy's basement like his opponent. I'm here because uh, I am going to participate in this primary in this state. We are going to have a real democracy where candidates meet human beings, are questioned by them, have town halls, and deal with all of the difficulties of retail politics. Carpe diem, Robert Kennedy Jr., why would anyone vote for anyone else in the in the Democrat Party other than him right now? He's the only candidate. He's the only viable candidate. And I know he has his liberal ways. I'm sure there's plenty of them. But he's the best they have. And if he were not a Kennedy, if his name were Smith, he'd be running as a Republican. But we all must keep in mind one thing, and the, and the liberals always point out to us to make certain that we do, because we, as Republicans, are trying to destroy democracy at every turn. Right, Mushmouth Pelosi, Pocahontas, and Fruitcake Bernie Sanders? Focus on what matters, protecting our democracy. We've got to protect our democracy. We cannot tolerate a president who is undermining American democracy. Then why do you tolerate Biden? I mean, this guy is a walking, talking criminal. He's a crime boss. (laughs) That's laughable stuff. But more laughable is this. We all, I think, reasonable people, all agree that men participating in women's sports, depriving women of a chance to succeed and perhaps launch their life based on the successes and the lessons they've learned in sports, is a bad thing. Men shouldn't be anywhere near women's sports other than maybe to coach or if you wanted to run an organization or something of that nature, but not playing against other women. Men should have no role in going into the women's locker room other than you're a pervert. You're a closet rapist. You're a closet sexual assaulter. Parents, fathers, brothers of these young female athletes should be kicking the holy crap out of these people rather than sitting idly by and allowing them to do what they do in locker rooms. So I think we all agree that that's a bad idea. Donald Trump, in fact, won't allow it if he's in office. But this loony left wing, this is how liberals' heads explode when you say something as innocent as what I just said. There's no place for a man in a woman's locker room. There's no place for a man competing against a female athlete. There's no place for it. 
But this loony left-wing crazy woman that our research assistant located, how I don't know. I don't want to know where this woman lives or where she is making these comments. But she wants you to know that what I just said is wrong. She's right. I'm wrong. I'm 100% right on this. I don't give a shit about the scientific explanations. People, if they identify as a woman, get to compete in sports. If that's not fair in the short term for a variety of little competitions, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit because the societal interests of including trans people in society trumps stupid competition. Full stop. So I'm right about this. You're wrong about this. Full stop. Only liberals say something as stupid as full stop. <laughs> what does that even mean? That, that's a, that, that was a term used in newspaper writing. I mean, I, when I was going to journalism school, I knew what full stop meant. That means that's the end of the story. You would either put 30, I don't know why they chose the number 30, or full stop. And then these, these people invoke it like it's some sort of biblical message. Full stop! I'm pissed off! I don't, do, do, by the way, do you think she gives a shit? I don't think she does. She said she didn't. She doesn't give a shit about competition. Little things like competition. Because the role of transgenders in society trumps your little competitions. What is the role of transgenders in society? You want a real fairness, because she doesn't give a shit about fairness. She said so. That's, your, that's a typical liberal. They don't care about fairness. Of course they don't. If they cared about fairness, they wouldn't rig elections. They rig their own, by the way. Even when the Republicans aren't involved, they rig their own primaries. They did so for Hillary Clinton. That's a proven fact. And yet Bernie Sanders is so stupid with his hair flying out like Doc in Back to the Future, continues to rant and rant. Rather than ranting at the people that stole an election from him, that stupid ass continues to make idiotic statements like, we need to save our democracy. If we saved our democracy, you'd retire. That's one step. But why would you when you can milk the system for millions? But there's no place for a loony wench like that to be commenting on anything. She's right. You're wrong. Full stop. I don't give a shit. Ooh, that'll make me change my mind. Transgenders roles in society. Okay, let's be fair. Transgenders, you get to have your sports. You compete against each other. How's that? That's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. Or, transgender, you can compete against the guys. How's that? That's not fair, but you want to compete against a particular class of people that, is, that don't include you. Why pick on women who are physically less able to compete than you are physically when you're a man? doesn't mean they're less of an athlete. It just means the way they were made. Men can't have babies, though you lunatics think they can. And a woman won't beat a man in the same sport. It just won't happen. But these lunatics think it's okay to rob every young girl of everything she's dreamed of, everything she's worked hard for. It's okay to just take it away from her. It's okay to stare at her when she undresses in the locker room. Nothing wrong with that. It's how these people actually think. Here's, here's a quick one for that little nutcase. There is no role for transgenders in society. Got it? There's none. 
Just like there's no role for me, a white man in society, I make my own role. I make my own life. You make your own life. We're tired of caving into people like you. We don't care about transgender's role in society. We don't believe there is one. We don't believe there's one that's necessary either. Make your own. But leave the women alone. Stay out of their locker rooms. Stay out of their sports. Go create a transgender league. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Boy, that should facilitate their role in society. So all women are supposed to say, oh, my gosh, we've got to have a role for transgenders in society. Let them come into our athletic events. Let them beat us around like a rag doll. Sure, that's what women want. What have I told you all along? Liberals hate blacks. They're not crazy about Hispanics. They hate Asians for sure. And they hate women. The liberal women hate women. There's a perfect example. She hates women. She hates everybody, it sounds like. But she definitely hates women. Because she doesn't want you to compete against each other. She wants you to have to compete against a man. Now, from a male perspective, I can't imagine any way that you could take any pride in beating up on a girl. Athletically. I don't mean punching her around. I mean beating up on her athletically. I would take no pride, for instance, in playing basketball against a girl. If I'm a basketball player and I can't beat a girl one-on-one, then I ought to get out. And that's what I would do before I would beat up on a girl. I have a friend of mine who tried to explain to me my confusion with regard to Obama's spouse because I used the pronouns her, him at one at one time. It's her, him, because we don't know. He says combine them into herm. I kind of like that. He said it's also short for hermaphrodite. (laughs) So hermaphrodite Obama, Herm Obama. I'm going to start referring to that as Herm Obama. Herm Obama is going to run. There isn't any question about it. Herm for president. Herm's coming at us with guns a-blazing. We all know that. Now that's funny stuff. I like it. I like it, I said. I like it. All right, let's take a break, and uh, we will come back right here in the window world, stl-cars.com, Kings Court. Should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to rope around. Wearing my six shooter, riding my pony on a cabin drive. 
Welcome you back in. Kevin Slayton with you on this Friday morning. We're glad you're along for the ride. Right here in the window world, stl-cars.com, King's Court. And don't forget, if your house is too hot, it could be the heat getting into your house through your windows. Window <clears> world <throat> is there to help. They help me, folks. I don't have that problem. My cool air doesn't escape. The hot air doesn't come in because I have window world windows. My air conditioner doesn't have to run <clears> 24-7 either. So that's a beautiful thing. And I can tell you that it works. All you have to do is call them, 314-993-1800. They'll come to your house, give you a free in-home estimate, 314-993-1800. They'll prove to you how they're simply the best for less. They will be giving you the windows that are the preferred windows of the Blues, the official window of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, with a lifetime warranty that covers all parts, glass breakage, and labor. They use double-strength glass. That's how they can do this. And they also offer 18 months, same as cash financing, with approved credit. That is Window World. 314-993-1800. Cleo, how are you this morning? Fine, Kevin. How are you doing? I am doing great. It's a Friday, so you know that it's a good day for me. Actually, I wasn't too fine. My air conditioning uh, unit pooped out, and it's just been fixed by the repairman. 
evidently the parts they put in due to environmental environmental regulations from the liberal from the liberals have, have made this so Oh my God. It's just it's just sickening, isn't it? Yeah, the parts they put in are crap in other words. Exactly. And they will break down very quickly. I mean, you know, you encounter liberalism wherever you go. You encounter it every time you go to the store, you pay ridiculous prices. You know, you encounter it here at home, you know, for things like that. That's a great point. You encounter it at the gas pump. You encounter liberalism. That's a great point. It's in every facet of our lives. And it's it's getting worse month by month, week by week. It's getting worse what they want to do. Yeah, it won't get better unless we change it. And we change it at the ballot box. Yeah, well, that's another problem, ain't it? Yes, it is. But this this crazy woman talking about trans, she's she's the total, she's mentally ill. As Rush Limbaugh and yourself have mainly said, liberals are mentally ill. It's just a degree of a degree of craziness. This gal is really nuts. No question, she is extremely insane, and and most liberals are, but she's really lost her marbles. That is a sickening. I mean, just listening to her. And and why this war on women? Actually, not women. Young women, young women in particular. It's a war on them, and I don't <laughs> quite understand that. I don't get it at all. You know, I th- you know some of these women, they, you know, they're getting they're getting screwed out of women. Women are participating against these idiots. Their boyfriends ought to take more of a part. They ought to meet this jackass in the parking lot and get into a little altercation and take care of them. That's a good. I like that. I like that another a lot. thing. Another thing too. Remember that guy, that idiot, that fat slob that got in that, that sorority. Remember that? Yeah. Well, here, here's here's what they can do. All they got to do is go to his room and sprinkle poison ivy in his underwear, and that'll put an end to him. <laughs> I'm serious. I am serious. Uh, you know what? It's funny because we used to th- sit around and think of these ways to get at people, get back at people. Yeah. One one of the, uh, the the great torture that we'd come up with when I was in school in time, we said, you just put needles in their eyeballs. <laughs> I know it sounds yeah. crazy, but you know what? They'd stop the behavior. If you catch a guy in a girl's locker room staring at the girls, put needles in his eyeballs. Well, you know, back in my day, we would have kicked his butt. Many people would have. Of course they would have. And you know what? You would have been applauded for it. That's right. You know, what guy who stood, ever stood up for his sister or his wife or his girlfriend hasn't been applauded by, by real men throughout history? It's just the way it is. Yeah. Women don't – I love the women, the liberal women who say, we don't need you to protect us. Well, then then why do you call us the first time trouble shows up? <laughs> Hey, this statement of Coleman's, man, that's really illustrative. He let the he let the cat out of the bag, didn't he? Yeah, he really you fancies himself it. as some sort of high intellectual. Maybe he's looking for a job to teach at Harvard. Yeah, ridiculous. The amount of money you pay for going to school there, and they got a jackass one of the professors. Can you imagine Beetlejuice, Lightfoot, and De Blasio after you've paid for your child's tuition at Harvard, and you find out they're the ones teaching your kids what? How to be a I criminal would... politician? Even if I had the money and I had a kid going there, I'd pull him out. I'd pull him out. I'd pull him out in a heartbeat. I'd say, you're not going there. Go to Dartmouth or someplace else if you want, or go to Stanford. I, I know they're all liberal outposts, but man, you're not being taught by Beetlejuice. And it's almost like Harvard's trying to tell people, we're raving liberal lunatics and F you. Yeah. But, but this thing, Comey, we cannot have a radicalized populace. Uh, gaining control. 
That's what they all think. That's what they all telling each other. That's why the abuse of power is so distinct. Yeah. Right. We can we cannot have this. That's the way Barr felt. Bill Barr felt this. That's why he didn't prosecute all the abuses of elections. They think or they equate all of us who support Donald Trump with terrorism. Imagine that for a second. Just think about that. The people that blew up buildings on 9-11 in New York City killed over 3,000 or right around 3,000 people. They equate us with them simply because we like a candidate that they don't like. Isn't that amazing? I mean, they like Joe Biden. I don't like Joe Biden, but I don't call them terrorists because they like him. I call them nuts. It's, it's totally unbelievable that, 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 that what they have stepped to with this, with this kind of a rationale radical we're all a bunch of idiots for supporting trump radicalized populists that's what we all believe how ridiculous they're they're just they're mentally ill there ain't any question about that but i still wouldn't call them terrorists they're just mentally ill people and, and i'm telling on a debate when the republicans debate they got to ask them when you get control suppose you get control of the presidency Will you appoint an attorney general who will prosecute all of these vast abuses of power? That means that means to be needs to be a leading question at the debate. Well, it's like uh, last night during this town hall. Our research assistant texted me at one point, "What questions would you ask Trump if you were in the audience?" And one of mine is, "Who will you name as attorney general?" Yeah, okay, I didn't know that because that is the most important appointment that a Republican president can make when he takes office. Who is your attorney general going to be? Because if it's not someone who's tough and who's trusted and who will go after real criminals, political and otherwise, then you, you, we're nowhere. We will never, ever change the culture in this country to sanity again. The criminals will be allowed to get away with their crimes for the rest of time. This is the most exactly. important appointment. This election is extremely important, but the appointment of who the attorney general is is even more so. And it has to be... Uh, a guy, and like I said, I would I would support Hawley for that job. Well, you're exactly right. They, these people must be held accounted for. Uh, it will never ever be a, a proper system of justice in this country. The abuse of power will continue from the left ad infinitum. There's no question about that. And you stop it by sending some of them to jail. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Jail has a yeah, real, real impetus to change behaviors if you're other than a heinous criminal. Now, if you're some yeah. lunatic liberal running around thinking you get away with all this kind of crap and all of a sudden you get nabbed and you do some jail time, the other ones are going to think twice about it if they think the result is jail. And, and, and that's, why, that's why I want to connect this to the election. These people, these assholes, know they're going to jail, these liberals, so they have to win the next election. Or else they're going to be in jail. Well, and that, that's that, why. That's, that's what I mean. That's why they will stop at no turn to fix this election. Exactly. None. I think they're, I think they're even going to cheat at the non-battleground states. Well, I do, too. I, I do, too. You know, I have a friend of mine in Illinois who's uh, involved in politics over there. He was a Democrat his whole life. He voted for Trump, though. And he said uh, that he believes that Trump carried Illinois in 2020. It, wow. I think he lost uh, by 13 points there. And he said, I guarantee you there was at least 7% of, of fake ballots and, and lies and, and illegal ballots that were for Trump. And so if you take that 7% and give it to Trump, he wins the state. 
Yeah, I know. I I know an election official. Election official also. She she used to catch all across sorts of stuff, and you know, as a Republican, they didn't like her at all. Nope. She, I, she I was working over there. Yep, I agree with you, Cleo. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, these yeah these things. A, a radicalized populist. That's what we are, Kevin. Innocent. All means necessary to stop us. That's the world we live in now. And if they call it's us dead. that, if they call us that, then they won't bat an eye, and their followers won't bat an eye at stopping us. Because if you really believe you, that these people are radicalized, then they will do anything, and they'll justify it because we're radical right. terrorists. It's like you tell a football player, a defensive lineman, you say, you know what? There's a 500-foot drop five inches behind you. Do you think that the offensive line is going to be able to move that guy? There's no way. If he really yeah. believes there's a 500 foot drop behind him, right? You, you hit you hit the point, and I I, think, I believe I did too, Kevin. Yes, Thanks a did. lot, and I hope some people think about this: the repercussions of a, of an attorney general who won't prosecute these crimes. It's got to be stopped. It's huge. Thank you, Cleo. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Have a great weekend. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Hello, Dave. We lost Dave. All right. Our phone lines are open, 636-538-0746. Good morning. You're on with Kevin Slayton. How are you on this Friday morning? Hey, Kevin. This is Doug. Hey, Doug. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, I haven't called in a while. was hoping to call last week. wasn't able to do it. Um so a couple quick things. Um, I know I, it's been a while since you talked to DeWitt, but I just wanted to go back to that conversation and make two notes. Yeah, it's only, um, been, it's only been a week, actually. Okay. Um, you know, with respect to Wayno and giving him that big contract, the other issue, and I don't know if you mentioned it at the time, but he wasn't even good enough to start a playoff game for you. Right. He wasn't even in your top three. No, he was not. So – I mean, give me a break. If he can't throw 90, he's not going to get people out. I mean, that's really the bottom line with him. Um, the other point on, on Shannon, and this occurred to me later, and, you know, really not giving him enough tribute. Remember when Shannon made those comments on his own radio show that the, the DeWitts would sell the team and all that? Um I just wonder if they they're hold, held a little grudge about that. I don't I don't um, know. What do you I don't I you know I I look at this I don't know how true that is but if it is true shame on them. This is petty yes. politics bull crap. He was with this organization for 50 years long before the DeWitts came along. He was a player and of course a beloved broadcaster and he's been a tremendous ambassador for the Cardinals and for baseball in general. And the fact that you can't put a patch on the cap or the sleeve with his number and a heart around it is sickening, to be honest with you. And I wouldn't even be upset if they put a, um, a, 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 a held up or draped a banner over a railing somewhere in the outfield with his number on it. I mean, this is absurd. Yeah. He was with this organization for 50 years. No other organization would mistreat a guy who's been around that long. Hey, even jack-off Tony LaRusso used to – just respect the hell out of Shannon, man. Yeah, I mean, look, look he, at how he knew what it was all about. Here's a good example. Look at how the Blues treated Bob Plager. He was with the Blues organization for 50 years. They treated him like a god, and he earned it. He'd been in every way you could work for an organization. He worked for the Blues, so no one begrudged the Blues doing that. But you know, so they honored him. 
But the Cardinals haven't even honored Mike Shannon. They haven't even had a Mike Shannon night with his family coming out there and being honored. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's terrible. Uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, I, I think Comer, and I know you said it earlier, Comer has to be um, conscious and not putting all his eggs on this document. Um, this is, you know, I don't like the smoking gun reference. They don't, they don't need to give the impression they're hanging their hat on this. There's already tons of proof, tons of proof of what's going on. We're just, you know, at this time, the point should be, hey, we're just kind of determining how deep this went and how, how wide this went. That's all. Well, I kind of think um, that's how Comer has sold this. He's already had that uh, news conference where he articulated how many shell companies the Bidens created to launder money. Now the rest of it is, okay, we, we've accomplished that. We've established that they are criminals. They are money launderers. Now let's find out how bad. How bad does it go? How deep does it go? And who's all involved? And that's where they're heading now. And all of this is the blueprint. Yeah. This should be the blueprint for the trial and the charge and the arrest when a new attorney general is appointed. Yeah. And I and I say that about Comer, but also, you know, we got we still got our rhinos over at Fox News. Um, you know, I'll make these these comments and they kinda in the Wall Street Journal, pathetic. You know, they'll say things like there still haven't been ties to Hunter Biden and, and Joe's business. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's so disgusting. It's it's, so, it's um, laughable. Yeah. Uh can I make one more point? I sure. know you're probably running late, no, but that's okay. uh you know, given, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I mean, couldn't you make the argument that that was, that was definitely attributable or, or uh, there was a direct link because of the Russia collusion lie that was told and that the laptop was Russian disinformation that, um, that Putin just said, screw this shit, I'm going in after what the United States did to me and then make the argument. And I know the liberals would do this. That that that's treasonous, and, and charge these people. Um, and and then my kind of my question on treason too is: is there like a statute of limitations? I mean, if we get a Josh Hawley or someone in there um, and charge them with that, I, there's no statute on there, is that? No, is there? No, there's no statute on these crimes. And I don't. I just don't. I don't believe that Putin cares. I don't. I don't think he cares that if you if people in the United States think he's a rogue or a jerk or a creep or or was messing with our elections. I don't think he cares. He doesn't care at all. I think the argument is he went into Ukraine because Biden was in control. He wasn't about to set foot in Ukraine yeah. with Trump in there. And I agree with Trump. I think he does end that war in six months. I think Trump reverses everything Biden did in six months because a lot of it is um, executive order stuff. A lot of the stuff that Biden did is are things that he undid with what, what President Trump had. So he can go back in and take care of that. He can also get that border closed again. He can do all that within six months. He's right. This, this, yeah. the, 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 DeSantis, whoever advised him to make an eight-year argument, is insane. That's right, and I and and I do I do agree. Putin does, doesn't give a shit about that stuff, and and I think Trump told him it was BS, and he knew it. But I guarantee, if the shoes on the other foot, the liberals would be arguing that that well, that, of course. that caused treason and all that stuff. Of so, course. Uh, you know, th yeah. they would certainly be arguing that because they got to blame Republicans for every single thing that ever happened, including the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Oh. I'm sure that was a Republican thing. You, 
You got there. And I'm waiting, by the way, I'm waiting for the Catholics to come back and f- finally fight back. The Catholic yeah, where Church, are they, where are you, Mr. Pope? Yeah, where, where are, are, are you at? Yeah, where's the Pope? What, what, he's, he's, quick yeah. to, he's quick to criticize President Trump, but where is he when his actual religion is under attack? What is the guy yeah. hiding out with Biden in the garage? Yes. I got some friends who, and my wife too, made a conscious decision to go back to church over Lent. And I said, I said, tell the Pope and the church stand up against all this crap that Biden is doing and the administration is doing. I'm not doing it. I, I, I can't take it. So, Kevin, I'll let you go on that. Take good care, stuff, buddy. Doug. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Where are the Catholics? Catholics are quick to attack me if I am critical of the the Catholic Church for allowing pedophiles to exist, they're quick. Oh, Slayton's anti-Catholic. No, Slayton's not anti-Catholic. I'm anti-pedophile. I'm anti-cover-up. That's what I am. I was raised a Catholic, but I'm anti-cover-up and anti-pedophile. Who isn't? If you're not, then you're the screwball, not me. But those same Catholics who wanted to attack me for attacking pedophiles are awfully eerily quiet about this crap that's going on at Dodger Stadium. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm good this morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I got in the show late today because I had a Zoom business call, but I got in right when you were talking about Comey and you played his little audio clip there. You know, I don't like to lose my Christianity very often, but all I want to say to Comey is bite me. (laughs) (laughs) His arrogance arrogance is to these people. His arrogance is so disgusting. I mean, it drips from every word he claims. And by the way, I mean, we talked about Beetlejuice and uh, de Blasio teaching at Harvard. Do you know that uh, our research assistant sent me this? That Comey is teaching, uh, now wait a minute, not only is he teaching at William & Mary, but the course he's teaching is on ethical leadership. Ethical (laughs) leadership at William & Mary is going to be taught by James Comey, the most unethical American other than Christopher Wray. And and here's what Comey says in the article about it. Ethical leaders lead by seeing above the short term, above the urgent or the partisan, and with a higher loyalty to lasting values, most importantly, the truth, <laughs> says the guy who perjured himself and lied under oath. Well, you know, I say that to him, bite me, because you're he's on the board of a cult, in my opinion. And so you're a cult leader going to tell me I'm in a cult? Give me a break, you know, and and it, it just aggravates me on that level that he talks. They talk down to people like that. And I think we need to start talking back to people in a nice way. It's right in the Bible. It's one of the verses in the Bible. I can't remember it right offhand right now, but but it basically this is says, fools let their temper get the better of them. But people that are calm, let their temper do the right thing. So I think if I, I paraphrase that, but the thing to do is to talk back to them. So when Comey would say that to me, to my face, I would just say, bite me and walk away from it. You know, Um, tell people if you're a Christian, tell people have a blessed day. If they don't like it too bad, I have every right to ask God to give you a blessed day. Oh, I don't believe me. I've never stopped one second. What I thought the the reaction would be from somebody. Um, I I couldn't care less. I I literally could not care less. That's their problem, not mine. And, and, and on one side note, because I know you're out of time here soon, um, over here in Illinois, where I'm from, Kritzker was going across the whole state in the last week, touting all these things that they're doing and all these projects they're they're doing. And it's it's so laughable that these people are so full of themselves 
walking around the state where the majority of Illinois can't stand him. He's only elected because of the Chicago area and certain little pockets in Illinois. But he's going around touting all these projects. And I'm laughing going, oh, yeah, so you're spending all of my tax money from Illinois. They're spending all these COVID funds, COVID funds to fix a road. What Does that even make sense, Kevin? In liberal politics, it does. <laughs> but yeah. every, everywhere else, yeah. it, in a rational it, it, person's mind, it does not. Yeah, I thought that's what the gas and fuel tax is supposed to be. And, and to tell you what, right now, too, I'm outside in my yard cutting my grass, talking to you. Just you know, turn the mower off to call you because I was so aggravated. But I'm happily cutting the grass with my gas-powered lawnmower. <laughs> I love it. And, and if you want to know anything about your neighbors, look look at when they cut the grass. Every one of them that have a battery-opted lawnmower, you know right where it's going. You got right, that right. So I love it. That's an unsigned. That's an unscientific poll, but <laughs> but it's true. You got that right. It's, it's true. But it is true. So, so right. Kevin, just God, God bless you, brother, for what you're doing. I'm going to go back and listen to the earlier part of the show that I missed because uh, I'm sure there was some awesome stuff to uh, that that was there that I missed. But have a blessed weekend, my friend. And for what it's worth, people, look people in the eye, hold the door for them, and say, "Have a blessed day." I don't care if they got pink or purple hair or whatever they identify. Tell them that. Because they need to hear from us what we think. Carpe diem to you. All right, Kevin, have a blessed day. We'll talk at you. Carpe diem, Kevin. Take care, brother. Thank you. Appreciate the call, as always. Uh Well, folks, that's going to wrap us up for the week. We hope you've had a great short week. Short week. We had four days this week. It flew by, didn't it? But we're back fighting the good fight for you again on Monday right here in the Window World, stl-cars.com, Kings Court. Only on kevinslaytonshow.com where you get the unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence you'll hear the podcast here you can hear it on spotify apple amazon google and anywhere you hear great podcasts you'll find ours love you mom love you dad love you maureen so long everybody